and welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities, both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and on this show I am joined by Dr Chris Dolan, who leads the university's METV fiction writing programme, to talk about how the lockdown has affected our relationship with television. Chris, thank you very much for speaking to me today. Craig, thank you, and uh, thanks very much for the promotion. I'll just uh, let the principal know that I'm now a doctor. <laughs> uh, uh, just uh, it's one of the things I'm actually doing over this uh, this, this time is doing part of my PhD, but I'm a long way from finishing that, Craig. But thank you anyway. <laughs> so we can just pretend this has been recorded in the future then, and you have uh, got your doctorate. But uh, along with studying your PhD, Chris, how have you found things over the last few weeks? Well, you know, for, for uh, I've got two parts of my life. I'm part-time in Glasgow Caledonia, and so that's changed so fundamentally. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's really strange just doing everything online. So the new classes online, the video exams online. I find it really quite difficult, actually, to be honest, to take all this online stuff, staring at a screen the entire time. Mm. Uh, but having said that, well, the, good, the upside of that is, you know, it turns out you can teach this old dog some new tricks. I mean, like, like the rest of us, I'm, now, you know, I'm a Jedi. At a, at a house party, Zoom, Collaborate, Skype, you name it, I can do it when I was convinced before that I couldn't. But the other part of my life, freelance writer, nothing's changed. You know, I mean, this is what I do. I sit in my house and I write. Um, so it's like, what's everybody talking about? It's, it's exactly as it always was. So it's been a wee bit strange for me. But the same and a bit completely different. How are you able to interact with the students, Chris? Is it you, are you doing it remotely? Because I imagine that with the METV fiction writing program, a lot of it really relies on face to face, people being in the same room together, people sharing spontaneous ideas with one another. You're absolutely right. I mean, so much, particularly the, the, the modules that I teach are all about that, Craig. They really are. They're about, you know, writers come together and work together. I get, I get, I get as a acting and doing all that. So, that is difficult. I mean, again, it's actually quite interesting because one of the things that we do in a classroom is, is it looks a bit more like theatre because it's real people doing stuff in front of you know, other real audience people. In a way, I'm actually now adapting how we kind of try out and we, we kind of, you know, try things out in scripts and using the screen. In some ways, actually, I'm finding that there's benefits. There's, uh, there's there's ways of using this kind of screen stuff which allows us to look at how a director might work and all that. Mm. So yeah, yeah, but, it, but it's no doubt for all of us, it is taxing and you, know, you really do want to be in a room with people. Like, this is a very pleasant chat to you, Craig, but it would be nice <laughs> if we sitting in the canteen somewhere or, you know, it was a nice day and we could sit outside and actually be together. So yeah, ups and downs. I'm going to start with quite a big question, Chris, and I'm going to take you back to about 2000. From, from 2000 till the present day, how has the way we watch television changed? I mean, in the last of 2000, you've got it roughly, but I would say it's the late 90s. Um, as I said earlier, I'm not a doctor, but, uh, but I'm kind of learning more with the academic approach to uh, television history. And there's, there's a kind of concept of television's one, two, and three eras. Um, and television one is uh, the early days of television, and there's only really in, in the UK, the BBC. Television two is about those four or five terrestrial channels that last a long time. Mm -hmm. Television three um, is about the beginning of streaming and cable, which I think takes us up to the 90s. But what you're talking about now, 2000, even more from the last five, seven years, I think there might be a television four. Um, right. no, no, no other academic has said this yet. I mean, <laughs> 
But it, I, I think if you look back on television habits, even less than 2000, uh, even just 10 years, Craig, it is unbelievable. I mean, who would have thought, even in 2000, you would, on your train journey, take out your phone and watch <laughs> an entire series of, if you went to London, you can watch an entire series of a drama. I mean, you know, the international co-productions, just there's so many ways we now receive television. We can, we can walk, we can sit on a train, we go to the gym. You know, in our homes, we get TiVo, we get iPlayer, you know. And then there's all these niche markets, you know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Apple. Disney Plus just launched a few months ago there. It's quite extraordinary. I mean, the, the changes have been so rapid uh, over the last 20 years. It's quite amazing. One of the big changes is the way that, that we consume television. And we're seeing now people, myself included, imagine yourself included too, where if as soon as a series is dropped, you're watching it all in one go rather than waiting on a week-by-week basis for the episodes to be broadcast. At what point did this change occur? That's fascinating, isn't it? And I'm, going to, I'm going to say that actually there's, there's a kind of a, a slight return to, to appointment TV. That idea of watching uh, something when it's on the bodyguard mm-hmm. uh, last year, you know, it, 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 it went out um, on a weekly basis. Uh, the first uh, series of Killing Eve, uh, mm-hmm. what say, is, uh, the first season of it. There's been a number of ones like that. I mean, there's an interesting one, for instance, just now, uh, Normal People, which is the big, you know, sort of, uh, British made, you know, made for, for council TV, or terrestrial you know, TV, uh, which has got everybody talking. Um, and it's amazing how often that is happening. I mean, up until, I would say, Bodyguard Killing Eve, a few other things, Broadchurch maybe, you know, everybody was talking about the Netflix, about the American series, but actually, you know, British television has re-established itself, and to some extent, an appointment TV, in the bodyguards in Caledonian University, I don't know if you know the Craig, but out of conversations, I think it was on a Thursday night, if I remember, and bodyguard, on a Friday morning, the canteen ladies, the cleaners, your 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 the person who worked next door to you in the office, everybody was talking yeah. about it. And it was that thing about queuing in, you know, waiting till next week. And people enjoyed that. And there's a bit of that still around. And normal people do stream, but I've noticed a lot of people in watching normal people on a weekly basis because they just like the idea of it. When did it start from you know, for you? I can remember exactly when it started for me personally. It was late night. For me, it's the, the, the idea of the box set. Remember the box set? Mm-hmm. You know, now it's all streams, but we used to get box sets. And for me, the first one I really remember was Sopranos. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I'll just I remember my business who wasn't as interested as me when I went to the weekend and me and the kids just binged on that. That's the first time I did it. I would say that's the 1998, yeah. What about you? What was your first one? Do you remember your first binge? It was The Sopranos. As well? It was The Sopranos as well, yes. Getting a, a loan of that from my friend. I remember it was broadcast on Channel 4. It was broadcast sort of really quite late on in the schedule. You're talking about 11 o'clock, half past 11. So it wasn't very convenient to watch. But my friend stuck with it and bought it in the box set and loaned me it. And within about two, three weeks, I'd watched the entire thing. It still is, still is the best television show I've ever seen. It's wonderful, wonderful television. For me too, actually. And that's, uh, yes, it's, you know, I've never gone back. I've seen individual episodes since, but I've never gone back and done the whole thing. And I loved it because, like you, I thought it was gobsmacking. And I just couldn't, you couldn't stop. Could you have four o'clock in the morning and you're knackered? <laughs> I can't, I just can't stop. I've got to watch another one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Everything about it, the, the performances from the characters, the music, the, the clothes, the, the stories, it's just, it was just a, a wonderful TV show. And I've seen some, some brilliant stuff since, The Wire, uh, Breaking Bad. 
but nothing that's quite at the same resonance with me as The Sopranos. So I think you're right. I think that trilogy uh, of The Wire, Breaking Bad, Sopranos are kind of up there, aren't they? Some of the greatest television ever made. Mm-hmm. There's lots of other stuff too, but in that, that particular, to talk about that particular kind of television, that what we call the long form, yeah. yeah. Uh, that those three seem to me the, the, the trilogy of just great, uh, great works. So is that long form, particularly it was HBO, I think, that, that really uh, developed sort of like television that, that's the equivalent of, of cinema in terms of its production values, in terms of the script, in terms of the calibre of, of actors. Has that sort of television played a part in the way we watch it? Absolutely. HBO, the HBO revolution, they call it. You can't, you just can't underestimate it, can you? I mean, you're looking at those Sopranos, that's what we talked about, it's revolutionised our lives. Um, yeah, um, I mean, HBO is fascinating, actually. Um, it's, its original slogan, if you remember, was it's not television. It's not television, mm. it's HBO. It's a different, it's home box office. It is that thing about you're going to the movies. It's as big as the movies, it's as daring as the movies, it's got budgets as big as the movies. Mm. Um, and it's just a different feel to it. And it was, it really was. And HBO kind of hit over here. It was quite a, a new and different and incredibly exciting thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think what HBO first saw, and they were cable originally. So, again, how we've moved on you know, from cable then to box sets and streaming everything. What they saw was uh, there was mobility within work, there was flexi time within work. And they created that whole idea of must-see television. You know? mm-hmm. they, they identified a group of people young, upwardly mobile, with money, and well-educated. And the advertisers wanted them. And one of the things I would always argue about telly, much as we love all this stuff, and much of it, that's incredibly artistic law, but it's all about the money. Uh, the, the, the tech come first, comes first, you know, cable, uh, satellite, uh, streaming, all those things come first, then the money men move in, and then the artists get the slot. And HBO just saw an amazing uh, market model. Uh, it's a young blue chip market, must see television, and they created a whole generation, several generations of us now who needed to see these things. Brilliant. We've touched on Netflix a couple of times during the conversation already, Chris, but how has Netflix shaped the way we watch television? Does Netflix dictate the way we watch television or does it respond to our behaviour? I think it's about both. I think Netflix looks to, 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 what, we, uh, to what we want to, 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 to see. I mean, what I think, you know, both Netflix and before, but I still think HBO actually, although it's cable and tech, is kind of older. And HBO is still a major part of it. No Warner Brothers, aren't they? But, you know, all these companies are still important and they all feed into the kind of the Netflix phenomenon. But what, what I think they, they, they saw back there, HBO, which Netflix have picked up on, is that niche market thing. One of the things I think is very different, we're talking at the very beginning here, of what's changed over the last 50 years. What's changed, I think, is that television originally, BBC in particular, but it was also true that the, the, the American networks and European ones, it was seen as being, it was kind of piped into your home, wasn't it? it the, the television was in the front room, and uh, there was usually one per house, and it was in the main kind of focal corner of the front room, and the whole family watched it together. And it was a communal family-based thing. There was a big idea, this whole idea of BBC, being, uh, being kind of a social national glue. Mm-hmm. What HBO does is kind of, is, is uh, fractionalizes out. Uh, the older people want this, the younger people want that. You couldn't do particularly daring, explicit, violent stuff when the, on the television when your grandma and the toddler could see the same stuff. There was, you know, the, wars, the watershed and all that tried to mm-hmm. make something. But basically you couldn't. 
HBO and later Netflix come along and you can be as sweaty as you want, you can be as violent as you want, you can be explicit as you want, you don't have to obey the rules of editorial uh, control the BBC yeah. has and all that. So I think that Netflix comes in and that, it, it, it finds out what we want, what its audience, who, who them, the, the advertisers want, the upperly mobile, preferably younger, lots of money, you know, spending money, that's who the advertisers want, that's who Netflix will go out and get, they're brilliant at doing it. They now use algorithms, yeah? So mm -hmm. they feed it into computers to find out, well, what are 35-year-old uh, young doctors and lawyers watching? What is it they want? And then they create programs, yeah? So House of Cards uh, was kind of an attack of an algorithm. People knew oh, wow. that, yeah, yeah, that, they, that, that Netflix had put all the, the, the information to algorithm and they recognized that at that point, and still it's true today in the States, that BBC, entered the BBC connection, had kudos amongst the young upper the mobile group. So they looked for a series they could renew. So House of Cards was a famous uh, 80s, 90s series uh, about, mm -hmm. the, about British politics. They make it about American politics, they make it bigger, bigger budgets, and younger uh, lead actors, all of that. They bring in Kevin Spacey now, very out of favor by that time, very <laughs> in favor. So all those things work. They recognize if you've got a major actor in, in a BBC-style drama called a modern twist, people would flock to it, and they did. So their market intel is next to none. So they do very much watch what we want and then try and give us what we want in a good way. What about social media, Chris? How big a role does that play? Yeah, I, I think quite a lot, doesn't it? Because that weird thing, which I, I must be, I'm, I'm, I'm old. My kids watch television with a phone in their hand. Yeah. I find that really strange. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't have that ability to multitask quite as much, but they will comment as they go along. And so the very kind of immediacy of that, um, uh, and it's not just uh, dramas, of course, that very much on game shows, on, on uh, reality TV, mm -hmm. all of that. Uh, that makes a big impact. And yet, to get that kind of that kind of blue chip, that kind of must-see television, you know, um, I think social media plays a huge part. Talk about the lockdown, Chris. How has the lockdown changed the way we watch television? Or has there even been any change to the way we watch television over the last couple of months? I think uh, my, my, my son's uh, now a doctor and, and on the front line in Manchester. A and E and cohorts, and every time you ask him about, you know, what, what's happening with the lockdown, what's happening next week, what's going to happen with PPE, or what's going to happen with uh, um, testing, and all that, mm -hmm. uh, or, or you know, all these figures we're getting now about you know, UK worse than Italy and Spain uh, and all that, and he keeps saying, so what the experts keep saying is, we wait a year, you know, until we see what actually happens, we just don't know, and I think it's true about tele television too. Um, I've heard conflicting uh, stories and read conflicting things, Craig, and it seems to me that people have got more time in their hands, and maybe sadly the people read the less books, that people must be watching more. I mean, they must mm -hmm. be watching more. And I, but, but I've actually seen some figures to suggest it's not as much more as you would have thought. So I don't know. I think not to wait for a few months and, until the dust settles a bit and then look back on it. But I think there will be a difference. I think, yeah, people, there, there's so much content out there that people yeah. find what they want. I wonder also if that old idea of the, the, the national blue, everybody watching television together, is making some kind of a comeback because they're all kind of stuck in their houses together. Yeah. So, although the kids are, you know, some people might go to the room to watch one thing or, you know, a couple may watch different things in different uh, spaces, or whatever. I wonder if more often than not we are coming together to watch things. 
and that some of that kind of appointment television cross-generational is making some kind of a comeback. How do you think TV shows will respond to the lockdown going forward, Chris? EastEnders, for instance, that's one of my favourite TV shows. They've gone down from four episodes a week to two episodes a week. I know you kind of touched on it previously, but do you think there'll be a knock-on effect for that sort of thing? Yes, that's a different side of the question. There is also that thing about you know just how much product is there and who's watching it. Um, but the big, huge challenge for me, for, for all uh, television production and drama production it's a whole thing about can we meet them at all? Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, you know, this this is my business. This is what I do. You know, half the time in university, half the time writing, and I'm talking constantly to actors, producers, directors, and we're all beginning to get quite frightened because you can't make a television program socially distancing. Well, Definitely. maybe you can. We're going to have to come up with ways of doing that. But can you imagine? You mentioned these tenders, so popular. It's all about kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. It's all about families and pubs and cafes and close contact. That's what it is. How do you do an EastEnders or a Curry when people are six years? Unless, of course, there are some episodes about Corona, which is bound to happen at some point. And there's probably way around, the way around it will be exactly that. They'll use the situation. That's how there's things that I'm writing at the moment. They'll use the situation, which allows everybody to be socially distancing. But, you know, even if the point you have a cameraman, a lighting person, people wardrobe, makeup, you know, all those things are becoming enormously difficult. So I do think the knock-on effect is not just going to be at the, the reception end, Craig, it's at the production end. Yeah. How is this all going to work out for an entire year until there's a vaccine, perhaps? It's like the rest of industry and the university. Everybody's just catching their head and getting a bit worried. How do you think television writers will respond to the lockdown? Do you think the lockdown can inspire creativity? That idea of, you know, you're alone in the room, and you said earlier on, that's kind of what I do anyway. Yes and no. There's a kind of a... You know the the, the the Greek myth, the Greek island uh, myth of you know if, if only I could uh, not have to do this job and could escape all these boring family members and friends of mine have just sent me to a Greek island with a computer or a notepad, I would write a great novel. Uh, uh, no, you won't. <laughs> it's just not true. So that idea of only you had the time. It's not about that. In fact, I think that most great writing comes out of contact. It comes out of actually having family and being in the street and hearing stories and, you know, hearing what's happening around about you and all of that. So I don't think the fact that because we're all locked down will necessarily give us more ability to be creative. There'll be some of it reacting to the whole idea of, you know, what does it say? I mean, it is, no doubt, in our lives, I think it's going to be like, you know, the day of all days is the, the celebration of DE Day. I mean, this, this is our war, isn't it? I mean, this is the most defining thing of our, of our generations. You know, I'm now in my early 60s. I've never seen anything like this, thank God, and I hope never to again. It is so fundamentally changing how we are as a society. That's what artists do. They'll be, we'll be responding to it. But, you know, my guess is, Craig, I think it's not going to be in the short term. I mean, right now there already is stuff. The isolation stories on BBC. Uh, radio's moving really fast on it, as it always can do. So there's quite a lot of stuff about, about lockdown. There's a lot online, a lot of writers and doing stuff online with mm-hmm. David Keenan about, about the lockdown. But I think uh, I think after it's kind of over, I think we'll all be fed up. I think nobody's going to want coronavirus stuff uh, or lockdown stuff. I think it'll be in a very long term. I think it's in five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Are there any shows, Chris, you'd recommend watching during the lockdown? Um, the, ones, well, the ones I'm watching um, are probably the ones that most people are watching. Uh, I still quite like what's been, I'm trying to keep an eye on what's been written and produced in, in 
terrestrial television here, partly because that's where I'm more likely to get uh, gigs from. Uh, so normal people blew me away. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I, I wouldn't watch that with your granny or your dog. Pretty full on some of it. Killing Eve, pretty full on in another way. Uh, a lot of people told me about unorthodox. I just started talking and uh, I started watching it. Um, so I'm enjoying that. Uh, Tiger King, I like these new uh, documentaries. So mm. Tiger King's one. Quite was my kids, actually. I kind of follow my kids whatever they're watching. They really like that. I to try that. Uh, but it's also a good thing to go back on stuff. I think one of the best, if lockdown, though, was actually a lockdown thing. I don't think I ever saw it. Since, but it's, I think it's one of the great classics of television, take. But it's a, two series of one, uh, one actor dramas written by Alan Bennett called Talking Heads. I've heard of it. I've never had the chance to see it. Brilliant. I mean, it's just one person talking to camera. So in a way, that is ultimate lockdown stuff. I, I think uh, certainly on YouTube, I think you may be someone I player. Uh, I would, I would check it out. I think it's one of the greatest drama ever. They're half hours, one person talking to camera, and they would blow you away. Just phenomenal. I've just so I'm doing things like that, kind of rewatching stuff. Things I missed. You mentioned Game of Thrones earlier. I have never seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, Game of Thrones was certainly the first uh, first four series are are wonderful. They they really take directly from the source material from George R R Martin, and after that, it kind of goes off the 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 rails a wee bit, and it, it I say off the rails in terms of its its quality. It's still still very very watchable, but there are a number of things that after you've seen, it, you're sort of like that doesn't really make much sense. And that certainly would never have happened in the, 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 the previous series. It's interesting. I mean, I was always, you know, say I've never seen it, I have seen, seen bits. I watched a couple of the very early days. Both my kids are huge fans, and virtually all my students are. And it's just one of these ones. I mean, just so much product out there, isn't it? You can't mm. watch it. And kind of Game of Thrones just got lost from you. Know, as that thing it went on so long, I thought, yeah, I'm going to have to go all the way back five years behind everybody, everybody else. <laughs> This might be the time to do it, and what I think I'm not mad on the fantasy stuff, uh, but everyone keeps telling me actually we need to fantasy, it's just yes, that's that's right. It was certainly it was something that might have uh, put me off to begin with, but once you once you give it a go and you're, you're caught up in the storylines and the, the characters, it's incredibly well written and they're, they're, they're so very well characterized, and it's very very easy to watch, and suddenly. The, the fantasy element just that, that, that doesn't become a distraction anymore. Absolutely, no. That's that. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely make that a, a lockdown from. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start watching games. Well, Chris, if you need a loan of the box set, you just know. <laughs> I, I really want to thank you for your time, Chris. That's been a really interesting discussion. I really feel I've learned a lot from it. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Graham. And very I've got a good few tips from you as well. There, so that was brilliant. So lovely. Thanks very much. Excellent. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this episode and hope you'll join us again soon when we'll be talking to another member of staff from Glasgow Caledonian University. In the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening from. Until the next time, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been the Common Good Podcast.